MSW Media. Congressman Matt Gates is under federal criminal investigation for allegedly enticing minors to have sex with him. What is going to happen next to Mr. Gates? Let's get on topic. Welcome to On Topic, a weekly in-depth look at a topic that helps us understand the week's news. My name's Renato Mariotti. I'm a former federal prosecutor, a practicing lawyer, and a legal analyst. And I'm joined by my friend Patty Vasquez, the host of The Patty Vasquez Show, who joins us regularly on this podcast. But before I bring in Patty, I want to thank our patrons who brought us this episode. With special thanks to Andrew Donnelly, James Frohmeyer, Jay Gelhausen, Jamie and Izzy Gordon, Patrick, Angela Jackson, Ari Lamstein, Dan Maruska, Kimberly Summers, Shana Wachinski, and an anonymous patron. You too can become a patron on our website, ontopicpodcast.com. Just click the support link at the top of the page. So, Patty, it's it's been a little while. I will tell you I've had um, a lot going on with my life. I've actually sold my my uh, place. I am moving. Uh, I'm going to be moving in with my uh, fiancé and uh, her stepdaughter. So, a lot a lot going on in my life. Uh, how, uh, how are you been? Have you been vaccinated yet? What's going on with you? Well, first of all, congratulations on all of that good news and an exciting and an exciting adventure. And I know that you're excited to move back to your hometown. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yes, I my uh, my family is on the path of being fully vaccinated. My mother, my husband and I are fully vaccinated. My son, who is 17, received his first dose uh, because Indiana uh, has a FEMA site, which is federally run and allows uh, folks from any place to come. And they were doing 16 and over. So uh, because Griffin is starting in-person school next week, we are hoping to get that started as soon as possible. Because uh, as you may know, my youngest son, Declan, is very vulnerable. So we're all trying to keep him safe is our priority. That's amazing. Good. Well, that's great. And I got to tell you, it's always good news. I'm always happy to hear my friends getting vaccinated, their families getting vaccinated. It is such a game changer, I have to say. Um, you know, I am somebody who is more vulnerable with, uh, uh, with the condition that I have, and it's definitely can be a very fearful thing about what could happen if you do get sick. I've had many friends who've suffered from long COVID or very severe symptoms from COVID friends whose parents have died. Um, you know, it's very serious illness and it's just, there is definitely a feeling of hope now with this vaccine. There is, and I do want to stress that people still have to remain vigilant about wearing a mask, about socially distancing, because you can be asymptomatic and can still contract COVID. What the vaccine does is it it minimizes the possibility of you being in the hospital and keeps you from dying if you do contract it. So uh, I just want people to remember that uh, and because we are seeing a surge. You know, the cases today uh, are up, uh, they're about 70,000 a day, which is a 70% increase from a month ago because we were at 53,000 a month ago. It, It is amazing. It's not going away. And it's because 
because of people like Jim Jordan. I mean, you, you gave uh, that warning. It's like this is on topic with Jim Jordan. You thought that's who you're talking to here. You know, these congressmen who are so crazy, uh, you know, railing about their freedom. You know, this isn't about freedom here. OK, uh, freedom not to wear a mask, I guess, is what they're talking about. But, you know, this is all about keeping others safe. It's a public health thing that's what we're trying to do here we're trying to uh make sure that people don't get sick that they don't die i mean that's really what we're trying to accomplish here and i don't know about you uh, patty but i know people who are my age or younger who suffered very significant long-term conditions i have friends who can't run anymore friends who their taste is forever uh, screwed up friends who have all sorts of ongoing issues of fatigue uh, just they've never quite been the same, right, since they had COVID. I mean, it's a very serious disease. No matter how hard it hits you, uh, it can it definitely can have some lasting impact. It, no doubt about it. I have many friends as well. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm at about over 30 people who have uh, contracted COVID, and every single person has had, uh, as you mentioned, they're long haulers. Uh, unfortunately, several have passed away. And uh, I, I just, you know, this idea, as you mentioned, with uh, how conservatives use the word freedom to not wear a mask, and, and how, how is the ability to be healthy and safe not considered to be a freedom? We should be able to be free from you know, those who are going to expose us to this deadly and long-lasting ill-effects uh, disease. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they talk about freedom, but it's one thing if you're if you are killing yourself or putting yourself at risk the issue is you're putting me at risk if you're coming at me uh, without a mask and you're getting in my vicinity uh, potentially you you know you're you're essentially endangering or risk risking my health and the health of others and that's where i draw the line to me that's a real problem it's one thing uh, you know uh, it, it's it's one thing uh, for people to have activities they do on their own but this has a broader societal impact and that's that's what really concerns me it's a, i think a lot, a lot of folks more concerned with their own convenience than they are concerned about the lives of others and and speaking of selfish uh, pig-headed people of course the topic of the day is Matt Gates now, I, I will tell you that if it was up to our guests today, we would be titling this episode Gate, e either Pizza Gates or Gates Gate, um, uh, <laughs> because that has uh, been some of her commentary about this. We get, we you know, w we wanted to do this episode because we thought it would be you know such an interesting and colorful topic. I have to say, Patty, I really am surprised uh, i'm not surprised that matt gates has done something stupid uh, but i am surprised at just how sort of bizarre and uh, really unbelievable uh, these allegations are well if you look at how this all got started how the investigation got started which was joe greenberg who tried to have a uh, you know he tried to out somebody uh, by sending uh, the school a school where this teacher Brian Butte was working, uh, claiming that that Butte had been carrying out inappropriate relationships with students, and so when they started investigating, it turned out that the investigation turned on him, and they found that that's how he ends up with 33 counts of uh, sex trafficking and uh, endangering children and paying for all kinds of things. Yeah, he is definitely in trouble. We now know he is cooperating. Um, and uh, against Mr. Gates, uh, Congressman Gates, I mean, I do think that Gates obviously has, you know, some some things to be concerned about here. It, you know, it has been interesting. Gates has finally hired uh, an attorney, a good attorney, 
um, and has curtailed some of his public comments for a while. You know, he was very much trying to be Trump 2.0 here, you know, uh, you know, talking on and on in public with about his views of the investigation and what he did and how bogus the Justice Department is. You know, but he, I don't know if you realize there's a big difference. Like Trump controlled the Justice Department at that time. Uh, Gates <laughs> does not. And so it's a very dangerous thing when uh, the opposing uh, administration controls the uh the uh, the uh, Justice Department, I don't think they're doing anything untoward towards Gates. I know this investigation launched before they, you know, Biden took office. But nonetheless, you know, you you have no you have no ability to quash this thing. You're not the president. You can't pardon. Try to get your you know, get yourself pardoned somehow. Like, I mean, it's just what is he thinking? Well, it's it's a hubris. Right. I mean, I've said so many times on our conversations that it's that need for justice. And but the problem is, is that Trump and guys like Gates are so uh, o- over bloated with their egos and ability to even decipher between what is right and wrong at all. By the way, we can see that. But, you know, the problem is that there isn't any accountability. And if if Gates isn't held accountable, if, if in fact, you know, these allegations turn out to be true, it's going to be uh, really hard to struggle with because we're, we're all waiting for Trump to be indicted still. Yeah, I, well, I, I hear you on that. And, you know, we obviously had news that broke today. We're recording this on uh, Friday about how essentially uh, we learned that, in fact, uh, Trump campaign data did go, for example, to Russian intelligence. You know, certainly uh, Bill Barr did a very fantastic job of, uh, you know, misleading the public and changing that public perception about that. And, you know, Trump, you know, but I will just say this, Trump was the president of the United States. He had an enormous pulpit and he was a very masterful liar. I mean, in other words, I, I don't, I generally don't praise people who are evil. Okay. And I think Donald Trump falls into that bucket, but I will say that he's, he's very good at lying so much and saying so much nonsense that it is just hard for people to keep all the lies straight. Yeah, can you imagine? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Well, he was very good at all that. And I think, you know, for Gates, I think he thinks that he could talk his way out of this. Uh, Not happening. Uh, And really, you know, he you know, he does. You know, he may have potential defenses here. We don't know whether charges are going to be brought. He's certainly not the typical person that is that these sorts of charges are brought against. Uh, But he's definitely uh, got again. He has some explaining to do. Let's put it that way. Um, and, uh, and it, it may end up happening in a federal courtroom. So let's now bring in our guest, uh, my, uh, my friend, somebody I'm a fan of, I hope you guys are a fan of Asha Rangappa. Asha is not only a regular guest of ours, but she is a former FBI agent, a professor at Yale university, a, CNN legal and national security analyst and just an absolutely fun and smart person who is going to, um, I have the feeling, uh, make this conversation uh, even more lively and interesting than it otherwise would be. So let's bring in Asha Rangappa. Hey, Asha, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Renato. Good to be back. So I have to say, uh, this is pretty much the perfect topic to have you back to discuss. I, I don't know if there's somebody who has been, has shown more charisma and verve for this topic than you have. 
I have to tell you, in the midst of a lot of bad and depressing news, um, this story brings me more joy than you know. Now, okay, and let's just clarify for everyone listening. No one is joyful that Matt Gates is corrupting the youth of the United States of America. No, no. It's just that he, like, is finally being held accountable, and the story is so outrageously dumb in the way that it has unfolded, or at least what we know of how, you know, things were, were happening, that it just kind of vindicates my assessment of him. Well, one thing I will say, yeah, I mean, look, Matt Gates. we all knew Matt Gates was never going to win the Nobel Prize, uh, but, uh, okay, so we all we always kind of had that impression there, but, I mean, this is definitely hard to believe. I remember when I first started getting, like, texts or whatever from reporters about this, I'm like, seriously? Like, this is going, I mean, it was just, I, I honestly, it was, like, hard to believe, and, I, and that really says something for me, because I have prosecuted some of the dumbest criminals of all time. Okay. I really think it's not because I, um, what, you know, that I happen to get like the, the people who weren't so clever. I just think that's who the feds can catch the easiest. Right. So we tended to catch the people who made really <laughs> silly mistakes, you know? So I prosecuted the guy who fell asleep in his car with the ransom note, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, you know, people who just sort of whatever, you know, they 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 went to the bank with the gun and then they lock, got locked out or something. You know, those sort of people. Right. Um, and then they just stood there banging on the, the windows. Exhibit A, all of the people who stormed the Capitol and took videos and selfies of themselves. Right. And, you know, you so well, I guess what I think I just want listeners to understand is this is sort of run of the mill federal prosecution. In other words, you may wonder yourself, like, how could a congressman use his Venmo account publicly? you know, to do these payments and stuff. Well, actually, like, that's not that surprising, okay? And so, uh, you know, there are, those are the sort of people that are easily caught. And so, you know, I, but this really what takes the cake here is you have a guy who, you know, he's a member of Congress, he's on television, Fox News, whatever, all the time. He's sort of a Trump world darling, He's got a, uh, a fiance who's, I think, her father is some sort of big donor, mega donor type. You know, he sort of uh, looks like he's setting himself up to be Trump uh, 5.0 or something, maybe someday, you know, like eventually being new, the new Trump. Uh, and yet he is pay like paying all sorts of people online for sex. I mean, what, what do you even make of this just on a human level? Forget the legal stuff. We'll get to the legal stuff in a minute. Oh my gosh. I don't know where to start. Um, well, why don't, why don't we start at the beginning and then we can kind of do commentary as it, as, as it sort of unfolds, because I think it helps to start with the other incredibly dumb part of this, which is Joel Greenberg which is where the investigation into Matt Gates has its roots. I think that's fair to say. Joel Greenberg also maybe not going to win the Nobel Prize. Uh, what do you what what do you find more incredible about Joel Greenberg than about Matt Gates? What I find incredible about Matt Greenberg is just, you know, what he was doing. So this guy was the tax collector in Seminole County, I believe. Uh, he 
created a website. Um, I think uh, slandering some opposition person as a pedophile. <laughs> I didn't. I missed that detail. I missed that detail. That's 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 rich. Oh yeah, and so the this person who was basically being harassed or. Um, whatever went to the authorities. And so this leads to them uncovering the person, I think it was a website behind this, uh, which is Joel Greenberg. And so, you know, this is, this is initially a stalking investigation. The stalking investigation proceeds and as FBI investigations tend to do, uncover evidence of other stuff. Uh, they uncover evidence of some um, identity theft scheme where he's making driver's licenses uh, based on women that he's uh, meeting, I guess, on some sugar daddy website. Apparently, there is a website out there where women look for sugar daddies. I actually prosecuted a guy who would, and this is very sad to say, he would romance retired uh, women uh, and basically swindle them out of their life savings and then he'd go on these sugar daddy websites and spend the money there and I had to put uh, some of the women he had relationships with on the witness stand when I was a federal prosecutor so it is so you knew about the sugar daddy websites I knew about I knew about maybe an older <laughs> version of them because I'm I'm getting to the point now I'm dated. You know, this was maybe the the 2012 version. Okay, the 2014. I don't remember exactly when it was. But it was a while ago, right? Uh, so these these things have been around, but it's it, it's essentially a, a kind of like pros, prostitution at light. I don't I don't know how, what you call it. Right, right. And then I think the uh, the identity theft sugar daddy investigation leads to them uncovering his uh i guess his interactions re slash relationship with an underage uh girl who they then uncover has also you know w was also been in communication with or interacted with matt gates so you know there's there's many steps that this went through um and I think that piece is really important. I think as we get when we get to the Matt Gates portion, because to me it really, and I don't know how off, like how much you saw this, but um, FBI investigations have a tendency to snowball, um, in the sense that you know they're very thorough. They'll start looking at every uh, investigative thread they can, and if that leads to evidence of other criminal violations, those become parts of the investigation. Um, and, you know, you know, and I think that there is a tendency for people who engage in, you know, criminal behavior to probably have a propensity to engage in other types of criminal behavior. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so, you know, it's, it's relevant to, I think, um, you know, when we start assessing what what might be happening with the the Matt Gates investigation, but here's the other dumb part, um, Renato. So uh, there was a Politico report that about five days before Joel Greenberg was about to be indicted, he texted on WhatsApp literally everybody who had ever been at a party or been around with you know whatever these women that he had been interacting with 
telling them to lawyer up. It was good advice. Good advice. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But that uh, that WhatsApp um, conversation is apparently now in the hands of federal investigators. So, you know, as far as I can tell, the FBI also has now a, a pretty handy windows list, or at least, ha and who knows when they got that, but they, they have it now. And um, that will also become relevant, I think, to the to the Gates investigation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the point you made, Asha, about how these things snowball is really important. I always tell my clients that, you know, the, you know, I, the analogy I use is like Russian hackers. You know, if Russian hackers really wanted to take down my laptop or something, I really don't think my firewall would stop them or whatever protections my little laptop has. And the safest way of stopping the Russian hackers is to stay off their radar screen, to be so you know, unimportant that they don't want to hack you. And uh, unfortunately, uh, once you get on their radar screen, it's tough. It's tough to keep them out of your laptop. And really the same thing is true for federal investigators. If you're doing something wrong, the best way of getting staying out of trouble is just stay under the radar. But once you're under investigation, they're going to really start looking and digging. And like you said, most of these people are doing all sorts of stuff. And I think one of the interesting or difficult things here for Gates and Greenberg is they were doing something that it, it, even if you were being generous, would you would call it shady, right? In other words, a generous description of what was going on is shady. And um, so they were being, I'm sure, secretive, hiding it, you know, and God knows what they were doing. Well, they had code words for their Venmo transactions like tuition or salad. <laughs> Whenever you make false statements involving the sending of money back and forth, it's never it always looks like you're trying to either disguise criminal activity or deceive someone. So not a good thing there. And there's unfortunately for them, there is a very can be it's not a it's not a big leap to go from shady to federal criminal offense. And in, and in particular, you know, one of the things that we know that they're investigating is bringing or enticing a minor across state lines for the purpose of sexual activity. And I prosecuted people for that, but they were like trafficker types. You know what I'm saying? Who were like, tra you know, who were, uh, sell you know, selling underage, you know, were, were actually, you know, essentially pimp types, you know what I mean? Who are selling underage girls. You know, Matt Gates just, you know, maybe in a situation where, uh, you know, he one of these women happened to be 17 years old. And under the statute, if you look at it, I know you and I were discussing this, Asha, as long as he saw her uh, and interacted with her, which uh, he uh, certainly did. As so, or at least it's what based upon reports, uh, you don't they don't need to prove that he knew her age. So there could be a real problem there for him. Well, why don't we look at why don't we break down the the potential laws on on that front? Because as far as I I can tell, there's there's two specific statutes. There's the sex trafficking statute, um, and that includes if you have um, transported an underage uh, person across state lines for the purposes of commercial sex. Is that correct? Yeah, but now the I, and I do think the question here is, I mean, there they have a viable defense, right? Because they would they would argue they would argue 
they, they would have an argument that this wasn't commercial sex is what their argument would be. Right. So that's that's the operative term there, because a commercial sex or commercial sex act is uh, is a quid pro quo. Right. Like the prosecutors would have to show that they exchanged a thing of value specifically for sex. Right. Now, the, the problem for Gates is that, you know, it, it's it's fairly obvious that he wasn't. Um, you know, meeting these young ladies uh, for their foreign policy expertise or because he thought that they ha- they would make great dinner companions. Um, but, yeah, I think and, and my sus- I suspect that once they do, quote, lawyer up, unquote, their lawyers will ultimately advise them to testify truthfully on this matter. And so they're going to say, well, of course, I understood that part of the deal was that I was going to be sleeping with somebody uh, for this. Um, but I think that that is definitely that they'll focus on the word commercial and the on the defense side. Uh, they have very, you know, actually, Gates has a very good lawyer right now that he hired Mark McKay. So I think that will be the emphasis on that on that statute. Um, and and this is where also Greenberg is a very uh, useful I mean, to to a an extent, um, along with other corroboration, but useful witness for prosecutors. Right. Because. He would be the one to say, yeah, because they what what's happening here behind the scenes is Matt Gates is sending Venmo payments to Greenberg, who is then dispersing the this amount in two different uh, women slash girls, um, you know, with these kind of whatever coded uh, memo lines. Um, and and so, he is then the one that can say, well, this is what it was for. This is what was the intention of um, of, of these payments. Absolutely, Asha. That's an excellent point, which is it's one thing to have a bunch of Venmo payments or bank account statements or, th- you know, or even the, the women that were involved saying their understanding. But Greenberg is going to be able to say, when me and Matt Gates were doing this, this is what we understood it to. This is what I understood us to be doing. And based on my conversations with Matt Gates, here's what I understood. Right. And, you know, this is the purpose of this and this is the purpose of that. And it just it not only narrates things, but essentially the prosecutors have somebody who's going to tell the story from beginning to end and connect all the dots and probably spill a bunch of the conversations that Gates had and that sort of thing. Right. So I think that is. Uh, I think that's going to be very, very difficult for them to overcome. Now, obviously, obviously to win, they're going to have to take down uh, Greenberg, which they can do. The problem is going to be that, um, you know, there's other evidence there that corroborates Greenberg. But by the way, I do think that we should uh, before we go, uh, Patty, I know before we move on, Patty, you you did have a question from listeners that I wanted to uh, get to. Absolutely. Uh, a listener's wondering if you can explain the difference between the subject of an investigation and the target of an investigation. Where is Gates now and where might he wind up? Right. So subject is somebody who is their Their activities are within the scope of the investigation. In other words, Matt Gates is certainly a subject here because they are investigating his activities. So as a practical matter, it means that you have potential criminal liability because they're investigating you. OK. What target means is that they intend the the federal prosecutor intends to indict you. Now, every prosecutor has a different standard of when they will tell somebody they're a target versus a subject. 
personally, I never told somebody until I was literally prepared to submit. I had written up the indictment and I had submitted it to get my supervisor's approval because I always wanted to be able to change my mind. I wasn't 100% sure. That's how I interpreted it. Other prosecutors, I know when I'm on the defense side, I'll have prosecutors early, much earlier on say, yeah, your guy's the target. But that, they, they, that means they think they have enough to charge or they intend to do it. Um, unfortunately for Mr. Gates, being a subject, if that's where he is now, is not something you should feel good about. Like that is unfortunately not where you want to be in a federal criminal investigation, because that means they're working hard to develop the evidence to be able to indict. What's the point of telling somebody that they're a target? Well, first of all, they can you, you they ha, they generally have the right to ask you and you'll tell them. OK, so the point is you if the defense attorney wants to know, um, you'll you'll answer. Um, sometimes you will need to inform them of that status if you are, for example, uh, going to be trying to put them in the grand jury or something like that. Sometimes you'll go out of your way to tell them, for example, uh, let's say Matt Gates had no idea he was being investigated. Sometimes, and I've done this before, you have an FBI agent with a target letter that says, hey, you're a target of federal investigation. You know, if you can't afford an attorney, contact the federal defenders. <laughs> and you hand it to them. Uh, you have the agent hand it to them. And then they're like, oh, crap. Like, I'm in trouble. And then they get a, an attorney. Sometimes you want the person to have an attorney or you think it's time now for them to have a chit chat or whatever before, you know, before uh, you really bring bust the case open or whatever the case may be, you know, see if they want to flip. So there are reasons to do it, but I will just say that, you know, now when I represent clients uh, and I have many clients who are subjects of federal criminal investigations, um, that will be my first, can, uh, my first question is going to be with the prosecutor. It's not, I won't, it's not usually that formal, but it's, I usually ask them where my clients at and what's going on. And, she had a sense in the prosecutor where where things are at. And I have had prosecutor just come out and say he is the target. Now, in that case, to try to get me to reach a certain position regarding a conflict or something. But there are there are the, the prosecutors do communicate that information. But be, like right, like parading around the fact that you're a subject to criminal investigation, it's not like something to be proud of. It's not right. like you were you know, whatever, first in the uh, class spelling bee or something. It's it's not it's a really bad, bad thing to have happened to you. So, Renato, at some of these uh, sex parties that Gates and Greenberg are at, um, there are also, you know, drugs involved, drugs that are that appear, at least some from some reports that may have been given in exchange for um, whatever favors. Where does that fit into the statute? Because my reading of the sex trafficking statute is that adults can also fall under the sex trafficking statute if there is force, fraud, or coercion, and that drugs potentially, it seems, could go to the coercion piece of that. Yeah, I, and I prosecuted that statute as well. And in that case, there was actual, unfortunately, the case I prosecuted, there was actual coercion in, in the form of Physical, you know, I mean, I'd say not that enticing somebody isn't coercion, but you know what I mean, uh, physical coercion. Um, so I think that that very well could be. I mean, certainly it's, it could be a thing. It's certainly a thing of value that you're using to entice somebody to do something at the very least. And then the question is, do prosecutors want to take it further and say that, for example, someone had uh, an addiction to a drug and so it gave you an element of control? I mean, to me, that's a more aggressive theory, right? I mean, I think... Well, my question is, you know, are the, is it really... Because it sounds like there's one 
girl who was 17 at the time. Is that the is that really the relevant victim here that is the focus or is this broader pattern of potentially, you know, giving money and other things will, will that come under the ambit? In other words, is it going to be, do you see what I'm saying? Like, is it, is it really what they can prove about this one person or is there, is there more stuff? Well, I mean, you may want to end up charging both. I think the the threshold question, the way I would look at it is, do we have a charge that we, if I was sitting in a conference room and we're all get, we've got all the evidence, we're all talking, we've got uh, FBI agent Rangappa and, um, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, uh, and uh, AUSA Patty Vasquez, I would be like, um, we had, uh, Patty's like, what? Uh, we had all these people in a conference room. We're trying to figure out, do we charge? I'd be like, okay, do we have a charge that we feel is so solid that we're definitely, we're definitely charging this? Okay. So that would be the first thing. You know how how strong is our strongest count? Do we feel like we will we will carry the day on that count? Not just do we have enough for purposes of the justice manual? Like do we have enough that we believe that we can we can win? But are we confident that we are going to win on one count? You don't want to bring this case and lose. Then on the rest of them, it's like okay. Then what are the right array of charges to bring around that one? So I don't know what their strongest evidence is. I will tell you, I would, if I were on the prosecution team, I would want to have that 17-year-old count because a lot of jurors immediately, when they hear that, they're going to just stop thinking about anything else, and they're going to just conclude that this guy is a piece of shit, okay? I mean, it, it used to, pardon my French, they're just going to be like, okay, this guy is however old he is, and he's... 38. 38, and he's cavorting with a 17-year-old. It's just going to have a certain element. And, you know, the prosecutors in their opening statement are like underage, 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 minor, 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 over and over and over again. And she might be two weeks away from not being a minor, but it's still going to have an impact. And so I I would definitely want to bring that charge. Now, if they don't have the evidence, they're not going to bring it, but they've got to be able to prove it. And then there's also the Mann Act, right? Is that. That that has a weird history, right? That's kind of, um, it was in the early 20th century. It was the, about white slavery, um, basically. uh, It was kind of coming out of this uh, moral sense of trying to, I don't know, kind of like uh, incorporate moral codes. Regarding the Mann Act, it is a very strange act. It was elected. It was enacted uh, over a century ago. At this point, I think it's the white something like the White Slave Trafficking Act, something like that. And it's got some weird language in there, Asha, about debauchery or something like that. Yeah, it's like debauchery, immoral purpose, um, vague language, but then also language saying that uh, crossing the state lines uh, to engage in activity that maybe in violation of the of the criminal laws of any state. So I which I understood to be you can't you you can't transport someone across state lines to have sex with them in a state where the age of consent is lower if having consent with them in the age where they live or, or having uh, sex with them in uh, the state where they live where the age is high, uh, higher would be illegal. I'm getting so confused. No, it is. Well, it's a confusing statute and it's, it's actually been evolved. It has evolved over the years, been amended. And it was controversial because it had been used a lot in the past 
to investigate and prosecute people for sex between adults, okay, whether it was just like let's say somebody hiring a prostitute or something of that uh, along those lines. And people criticize whether or not that was a, a wise use of federal resources because unlike state resources where there's lots and lots of state prosecutions, very few cases are taken federally. Uh, I know that, you know this had really gotten in, in the news back when I was a federal prosecutor in the Elliott Spitzer uh, case. Uh, the uh, I think it was the Attorney General of New York at the time and had been caught hiring some high-priced prostitutes, if I recall correctly, and there was the Southern District of New York or the Eastern District, one of the uh, federal prosecutors there was doing a Man Act investigation, and I remember at the time thinking, like, we don't investigate Man Act cases. Like, I don't even think it's in our prosecution guidelines. Like, why are they doing that? And then as soon as he resigned, um, then, you know, he, um, you know, then they dropped that case. But I will say, when Man Act cases are brought, it is usually in the uh, area of child sex trafficking, and you use the statute for that. And I do think that one thing I would be sensitive to here, and I know um, uh, that we do have some listener questions related to this, but one thing that you have to be sensitive to is are you investigating and prosecuting something be- because this is Matt Gates? In other words, one thing that like was very, in my view, and this is my personal view, I don't, I, I, you guys may disagree with this, I thought one thing that was unfair about the Hillary Clinton investigation was that no one in the United States history had ever been prosecuted for the things she was being under investigated for, uh, investigated for, which was allegedly mishandling classified material without deliberately transferring it to a third party who was not, um, who was not, who was not authorized to see that material. Okay. Petraeus, people like that were like, he was giving it to his girlfriend, but like, that's not what the allegations were there. I thought that was unfair. I also think it would be unfair if no one in, in the United States of America would be prosecuted for what Matt Gates is prosecuted for at some point in time. That would be unfair. He shouldn't be prosecuted just because of who he is, right? That's not how justice should work. So I do think that one thing that is relevant here is is I do think that's another relevant thing to the underage point. In other words, is he doing something here that falls within the ordinary range of activities that would be prosecuted, which is narrower, smaller than the type of activities that are within the, the four corners of the statute? On that point, this is this brings me to a, a few things that makes me wonder if this is bigger than what, what we've been hearing in the news. So first, what we know is that at least the investigation into Gates began in the waning months of the Trump administration while Bill Barr was still there and that he basically didn't want to touch it with a 50-foot pole. So that, you know, if, if, if it was politically motivated, that seems odd to me, that he would not have been like, what are you guys doing? Um, and especially the fact that he wanted to make sure that he was not like not only not interfering in it. And when I say he did, he wanted to stay away from it with a 50 foot pole. What I understand is he did not want to be near Matt Gates, talk to Matt Gates, be seen in pictures with Matt Gates. Um, so that's sort of like a little red flag to me that there was something, you know, alarming that he did not think was uh, improper to investigate. The other thing is that it appears that Greenberg has been cooperating for a little while. Like he's been providing information. And if he was about to be indicted last August, it's now April. Um, 
And if it were just about this girl or even some of these sex parties, I would think that they would have what they need by now. So what are your thoughts on that? And this is why I mentioned earlier this idea of snowballing, because it kind of gets to um, what you're saying. You know, it's one, you know, if, if it's politically motivated, I agree with you. Like, you know, as, as much as I dislike Matt Gates, I don't think that he should be treated differently than anyone else. But these particular data points tell me that there may be something more going on. I agree with you. And just to be clear, just for the listeners, it's not necessarily that I'm saying it started in a motivated way. It clearly didn't in the bar administration or the bar uh, justice department during the Trump administration. But the question is just when you make a charging decision, whenever that is, you want to make sure that you're applying the same standards to Gates as you apply to everyone else. And I've argued you should do the same for Trump. Like, I just think everyone should be whatever. No one should be above the law or something, but everyone should be treated equally before it. Um, regarding Gates and regarding the point you made, I think you're I think you're right that there very well may be a, a, a lot to this. And I, if I was investigating this, one thing I would be looking for is some violation or violations that are just slam dunks where there's not, you know, some argument about sex or salacious, just like, hey, you created a false identity or, you know, something where it's just like something that's just very straightforward. Or there's some fraud or something that is just. They can't deny that's a federal crime that I can charge that's maybe, you know, somehow related to this. And then if they end up pleading guilty to that or agree to plead guilty to that, I can put all the rest of this conduct in front of the judge and the judge can consider the history and characteristics of Matt Gates and the nature and circumstances of the offense, uh, even if it's just identity fraud or it's bank fraud or whatever it may be, like they're lying to the bank about what the withdrawals are for, whatever it is that they're doing, you know, I would, you know, basically say the context of it is he was having sex with an underage girl and yada, 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 judge. And that's something you should consider when you're sentencing him for, you know, this particular offense. And you would get some semblance of justice there. The judge would get it and would understand what they what the conduct was and probably give a similar sentence no matter what you convicted him of. And I think that's one way of getting from point A to point B. Well, you know, one other violation that would be completely unrelated to, I think, the, the sex and stuff um, that it looks like might be being looked into is using campaign funds yes. for these uh, payments. Because that is illegal just on its own, whether you're paying for sex or whether you're paying for, you know, takeout, you know, personal takeout or like, you know, your whatever your your personal expenses, your lifestyle um, that is illegal uh, just across the board. And in that kind of situation, um, just a year ago, Duncan Hunter, another U.S. representative, was was you know prosecuted and sentenced to 11 months in prison for using campaign funds for personal purposes he he was actually pardoned by trump in december but so he you know i think there's not even an argument that you know matt gates would be somehow being treated differently in that case either um and that's that would be just a whole different thread i think than than the sex and that's something that when the FBI starts looking at money trails, um, they would definitely be able to uncover if that's what's going on. 
Right. And I'm sure, for example, there'd be false FEC report, Federal Election Commission reports that would be filed, right? You're not going to say, sent, you know, Venmo for, to, for sexual activity, right? You're going to call it something else, tuition or whatever. And so there's, go- there you go. <laughs> so whatever it is, it's going to be something different. And so you're, it's going to be a false statement. Um, and that's going to obviously be its own potential problem. Okay. You, you know, uh, Patty, I think we, we had a question from listeners about, you know, high profile investigations and so forth. Yes. Uh, somebody asked when it comes to investigating high profile individuals, such as politicians, how does that change the way DOJ goes about their investigation compared to if the, pol- the behavior had been done to somebody less well known or prominent? Yeah. What it just means is one thing people don't understand about the Justice Department is there so many layers of bureaucracy and review? I, I used to, whenever I would have to get it, let's say something approved, there were so many layers of people who had to approve it. Like there literally was like a form that you was like, it was very much of the olden days in my office where you had like a manila, like a, like an old school folder. And you would like staple a sheet of paper on top of it that had like various boxes. And then people would put their initials. And I had to have like the initials of all these, you know, big wigs, who would review stuff and give their comments, you know, to uh, to essentially move it up what we called the chain. It was like the chain of command. So you're like, a, I was like a private in the army or something. Okay. And all it would mean is that there'd be even more layers of approval. So literally if you're, if you're like, you know what, I'm going to indict the Senator or governor or something like that, it's going to go all the way to main justice and the deputy attorney general or the attorney general of the United States would be weighing in on that because is a sort of prosecution that's going to impact the image and the the um, reputation of the Justice Department. You know, all these concerns that we're bringing is regarding, you know, is this something that is politically motivated? Is it, you know, a, f- a fair prosecution? How will this, you know, cause people to perceive the Justice Department differently? There are legitimate reasons for high-profile cases to... Um, you know, to get go up that high. So I am sure that this went to Attorney General Barr. Even if we hadn't seen those reports, I would have assumed that that was the case because it's, you know, it's not something that a low-level person should be able to launch uh, without getting that level of approval. I, I would also suggest that in a high-profile case, there may just be additional scrutiny generally, uh, for better or worse, maybe just a additional... Um, assurance that all the dots have been all the Mm -hmm. i's have been dotted all the t's have been crossed because the costs of screwing up um with somebody in the public eye are are greater i agree with that and i i mean one thing that people for better or worse i mean people may not like to hear this but i'll just this is the truth of the way the world works is that they definitely, I think prosecutors have an incentive when they know that there's like a lot of scrutiny and it could be either, as you said, a high profile person, a politician, something like that, or they know you're going up against big wig defense attorney, highly funded, highly financed opponent. You know that you've got to get it right and you've got to cross your T's and you've got to dot your I's. And when I would indict people who I knew had these big Wall Street law firms that had millions and millions of dollars at their disposal, it was the same thing. Lots and lots of reading and rereading every word and every indictment to make sure it, or, you know, every word in the indictment, every word in, you know, in my, you know, prosecution memos and everything to make sure that they were absolutely meticulous. 
Uh, one thing I will say, um, kind of coming out of all this, that I think has been very interesting to see, Asha, is the reaction of the Republican Party. You know, McCarthy's like, well, uh, and he's the, the Republican leader in the House, is like, well, he says he's innocent, so okay. Uh, I, I'm sure Hillary Clinton would have liked that treatment uh, back in the day. Like, yeah, well, Hillary says she didn't commit a crime, so let's not say lock her up anymore. Um, you know, uh, so that, on that end of it, they kind of let it go. And yet, of course, as we know, there's this been been such a burgeoning movement within the Republican Party against with, you know, kind of these conspiracy theories about child molestation. There's a certain irony that people who are so so worked up about conspiracy theories in which everyone's some sort of secret pedophile when they finally you see somebody who actually is under investigation uh, for something like that. They have no interest. I find that fascinating. Well, and you bring up Kevin McCarthy because then there is also, um, you know, the other aspect of this, which is uh, ethics committee investigation into Gates's conduct in the House, which, you know, doesn't fall into the criminal category. But I think it's relevant here, um, both for its own sake. So this is about uh, Matt Gates basically showing pictures on the House floor of I think naked women um, that he had had sex with to his colleagues, um, you know, sort of kind of these, you know, bragging about his conquests, um, which, you know, I, I think is in violation of house rules, but also Renato, I'm wondering, is that, what would you consider that to be relevant uh, evidence if you were going to be prosecuting him in court with that is that something you would bring in also to t about his pattern of behavior i think if i was a pro if i was if i was the judge i would not allow it because i think it would be unfairly prejudicial in other words jurors would think that like would potentially judge him because he's like a cat he's kind of like a louse as a human being as opposed to it was it really relevant to show you know, that he did all of this commercial at, right? In other words, well, if, if the question is whether he had sex with them, if he's like, I was oh, only well, that's tuition different. and oh, that's their different. meals and it's like, but no, he's actually showing photos of these women uh, naked and saying that he had sex with them. Yeah. if oh, Well, then it would always, it would certainly come in. Un and the only way he would keep it out is the way you would keep it out. If you're on the defense side is you'd stipulate that he had sex with the woman. In other words, fine. We stipulate to it. Now, if you're on the prosecution side, you could say, I won't agree. I would sometimes do that. I'm not going to agree to sti so stipulations where both sides agree to stipulate as to a fact and you do it to streamline the trial. And so what will happen is when the fact is something that's just like the evidence of it's really damning. Sometimes in the defense side, you could just be like, okay, I stipulate like we're not here. We're not arguing about whether he had sex or everyone knows. Yeah. We admit it. Like he admits, I admit it. My opening statement, we admit it. Everyone admits it. We'll sign a stipulation to that effect. Now, the, but the prosecution could still try to prove it up, I, but the judge might have no patience at that point or say, what's the additional probative evidence of, you know, saying this or that? I thought what you were saying is that, okay, let's say he's charged with whatever, the 17-year-old and let's say five other women, and then we're going to put in evidence that, like, Con Congressman Jim Jordan's going to take the stand or whoever, Mark Meadows or whoever, <laughs> and say, well, yeah, uh, Matt would show me photos of women. Do you remember what women? No, you know, I don't remember them now. You know what I mean? I just saw them two years ago, but he definitely had photos of women. Like, what does that get you, right? And so if I was a judge, I'd be like, let's move along and, like, 
get to the evidence regarding the five women at issue here, right? Okay, so it's that sort of thing. But look, I mean, I think one thing that we've all proven here is that Matt Gates is a, a, a loser, right? Or he's he's a he's a complete piece of crap. Uh, because I don't think there's, it, I doubt that that anyone really believes that he didn't do any of this here. I don't think there's a denial about any of it. He's just saying that these were his. He was dating all these women, I think, is the allegation. But, you know, he's kind of a louse. But then the question is, you know, regarding whether he committed a crime or should be prosecuted, I think is much more complicated. Uh, I think that's a much more complicated question. And and you and he, you, I, I saw you tweeted, Renato, that you think the lawyer that he's hired is is good, and that we won't see some of the shenanigans we saw a few weeks ago, where he just kind of lost his mind on Twitter and then went on Tucker Carlson. I mean, if you're the FBI or prosecutor, this is like, you know, your dream, right? Is oh, yeah. your, The person investigating is just, you know, barfing up information on Twitter and going on television and naming other witnesses because he was like, Tucker, you saw me with this girl. And he's like, uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, I know. I thought that was hilarious. Tucker is like, that's the weirdest interview I've ever had. Um, yeah, I, so I will say, you know, back when I was a federal prosecutor, my office was investigating Rod Bogoyevich, and they used to tape every one of his appearances on like late night talk shows and then they would send him to the defense with is an exhibit, you know, if I put an exhibit, put a Bates label on it and say, you know, this is an exhibit, potential exhibit for trial. And I, I so yeah, I mean that that's just silly. And yeah, I do know his attorney. So Mark McKay, just, you know, so you guys know, I mean, he is, his father was the attorney general of the United States under George Herbert Walker, but, or no, not George, George W. Bush. He was actually a guy who came in, I think, after Alberto Gonzalez. And he was a former AOSA in the Southern District of New York. And I've had professional dealings with with Mark uh, uh, pretty extensively. And I think he's a very good trial lawyer. In fact, we've tried similar kind of cases. Like he had won a, he had won a case against the DOJ, and so had I. And we were talking and had a lot of conversations related to that. And I've read his trial transcripts, and I think he's a very good trial lawyer and clearly has his head screwed on straight like he is he's the sort of person somebody would legitimately hire if they were in big trouble and so yeah i would consider him a peer or, or something along those lines he's a very uh a very uh talented lawyer now he's rep he's very closely tied to giuliani he used to have a l law firm that he it was like giuliani and mukasey something or you know that sort of thing a giuliani firm that merged into another firm and stuff and so I'm not surprised he's in with the Trump world. And he's he's definitely I think he's representing the Trump organization maybe as well. So I'm not surprised Gates ended up with him. But he is not like we've had. We had some real bozos representing Trumpsters during the uh, during the uh, whole Mueller investigation and aftermath where we had these like lawyers who would be like sharing their client secrets over steak or. Uh, sending nasty grand messages to journalists like I don't that's not going to be Mukasey and I think he'll try to get his client under control but you know the 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 question really is you know you know Matt Gates does have the right to remain silent you know does he have the ability or the capability of controlling himself and keeping himself silent I think that's the real difficult question yeah and I think in some ways I saw that as a legacy of the Trump era, where there was a sense that you can just talk your way out of uh, something you have behaved your way into. And 
Trump had a unique ability to to kind of do that and get away with stuff, but he also occupied the highest office in the country and as a result had certain immunities and privileges uh, that shielded him in a lot of ways, right? Like, I mean, he was shielded from uh, indictment while he's in office. He had Article II defenses for some of the stuff that he was doing. Um, I don't know that Matt Gates fully appreciates that he doesn't have that. And whatever kind of, um, you know, deference or anything that was given to, to Trump that he benefited from, uh, Matt Gates is not going to have. Absolutely. I, I do think Gates is really trying to take a page out of Trump's playbook. He's literally copying the same script, you know, going after the Justice Department, claiming that CNN set him up. I mean, CNN has nothing. I'll say this as a non-CNN employee. CNN ain't have anything to do with this federal criminal investigation, man. And CNN isn't going to save you or mentioning CNN ain't going to save you in the courtroom. So, you know, I, I don't I mean, that's not going to be the Mark Mukasey trial strategy. I'll tell you that much is, see, you know, fake news, CNN or whatever Gates is trying to pull there. Look, I mean, he's trying all this this stuff. But like you said, it really doesn't work because he's not the president. Uh, and, you know, he, he can't doesn't control the Justice Department. The Biden administration has no incentive to cut him any slack. Um, that, you know, I don't think my sense of things from there is they're keeping their hands off everything in the Justice Department. Right. Yeah. And by the way, we didn't even talk about this, but I, I want to make sure that we we mention it because this was part of the bizarre craziness. What did you make of this whole extortion business? Yeah, that's a great question. That was when I first I think I, the first questions that I was getting about was about that. What people are first asking journalists are first asking because he's like, well, it's all about extortion. Well, you first of all, just so everyone understands what extortion is, extortion is when somebody is essentially blackmailing you and saying, I will reveal information unless you pay me money. And that information is often embarrassing. I'll give you an example. David Letterman, right? He was extorted because he was having an affair with a staff, a staff member at a show. He was extorted. And then the the was it the the um, the New York NYPD or something ended up having a sting and arrested the extortionist, okay? The famous case. Well, uh, we, of course, we know uh, Michael Avenatti's in prison for extortion, right? Extorting Nike. Well, just because somebody's trying to extort you doesn't mean you didn't do the underlying thing. In fact, David Letterman did have that relationship. He had to acknowledge it publicly, right? Whether or not Gates was extorted, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, okay? It has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not he slept with these girls or took money from them or did anything right or spent campaign funds. So you can spend campaign funds and somebody can call you up and say, Hey, I, I heard you're spending campaign funds on prostitutes. Um, if you don't get, you know, if you don't give me 50 grand, I'm going to tell somebody, uh, well, that's fine. And I'll find a dandy. That person may be guilty of a crime, but it has absolutely nothing to do with it. So I don't have any position about the extortion. I don't know enough about it, but it, it to me, it seemed like a smoke screen sort of thing that he was trying to do to confuse the issues. Yeah. And I think whatever he was describing, which was incredibly bizarre, wouldn't have even qualified as extortion because extortion, as you noted, requires a threat, uh, in, you know, in exchange for for doing something. And uh, in this case, oh, it was so bizarre. It was like some set of guys who wanted his help trying to get Bob Levinson out of Iran. And this is a this is a kidnapped FBI agent who's been in you know, Iran and I think the U.S. government actually who declared that he was dead last year and that if he helped them 
rescue Bob Levinson, they would help get him out of hot water, um, you know, with, with the FBI, which is not exactly a threat. Like, it, even if you dug down into what was happening, it didn't even seem like it was actually extortion. Yeah, I don't know, maybe a request for cooperation, right? I mean, in other words... I, I don't even know, but I mean, it's plen- there are there are plenty of times where in exchange for helping the federal government, that gets you some sort of credit towards something. But it, whether it was legitimate or not, or whether that's even the truth, I don't believe anything Matt Gates says. So who the hell knows uh, what that was regarding? I do know that they asked the former DOJ official and he, he totally denied it. And was, oh, yeah, he, he blamed a, a former DOJ official as being the one that was extorting him. And he was like, I have no idea what's what you're talking about. Yeah. He's like, Gates is saying, I think he actually had a pretty salty comment about it. it was like, like, Gates is only saying this because it looks like he's in hot water for whatever. So, yeah, yeah which it basically I think appears to be the case. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I got to tell you, um, Gates has turned this into a circus. And like you said, I think he the lesson he learned from the Trump era is that if you turn things into a circus, you can change the narrative and this and that. But he has no ability to change the narrative because no one really cares about what he has to say. He's not the president and right. he doesn't control anything. So other than his own mouth, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, OK, la- my, my last question, Renato, just because I want to know what you think, having have done these cases, what's the possibility that there's even bigger fish than Matt Gates? Wow, what does that mean? Like in terms of bigger fish, you mean people who did more of this conduct or people who are bigger names pu- publicly? Bigger names, yeah. I could don't have, could know. Could have been involved in this conduct. That, that's my point. Like in other words, what we see is that there were a lot of these party, like sex parties or something. And um, from from your perspective, is is basically a U.S. representative kind of the the top of the pyramid the food chain in terms of who you want to get or that's a pretty amazing thing for i would say for an investigation of this type i mean unless you really think that matt gates is getting the rich and powerful involved in this scheme maybe i mean for all we know he's asking all of his fellow congressmen in the house floor you know if they want to get involved and setting them up but i suspect that he's probably keeping that part of this hidden right i don't think when he's bragging on the House floor, he's saying, yeah, I paid for this. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem to me like a badge of honor that one would want to wear. But what do I know? Um, I don't really understand why Matt Gates would need or want to do this in the first place. Like, it doesn't seem to me like he would need to pay people to sleep with him. But what do I know? Um, but in any event, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just hard for me to believe that there's bigger people. But, of course, I can't. I couldn't believe it when I heard this story. So... Who knows who Matt Gates got ensnared in this? I actually feel kind of bad for his fiance, although she's standing by him. I'm not really sure what to make of that, right? So, um, yeah, that's a whole other bizarre aspect that I can't think about. It, yeah, it was came out through. He got he got engaged in December, but I mean, they're they're having these sex parties what as late as August, I guess. I don't know. It's weird. A little weird, right? I, everything. Uh, this whole case is a little weird. It's beyond little weird. It's lot weird, right? So um, I don't know what to make of this thing, um, but I think we will be finding out uh, in the weeks to come. I have the feeling this won't be our last podcast about Gates Gate or Pizza Gates. I think you prefer Pizza Gate. Pizza Gates. Pizza Gates, which you guys can figure out yourselves what that refers to. 
Um, but Ash, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Absolutely great to to see and, and talk to you again. Can I ask a fun, can I ask a fun question from a listener? Yes. For Asha? They want to know what happened to wine and fries. Oh, um, <laughs> wine and fries sort of went on hold with COVID, I guess. Okay. I don't know. know. Um, I, I, I actually have a show called Whiskey and a Cookie, so I was wondering. <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to turn that into like more of a formal. You know, they, I mean, that was also, I did that with my friend, Sam Vinograd, and she's now in the administration. So we can't, you know, dish about stuff anymore. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. The answer is going to be Sam's like off to not even say greener pastures, but you know, important public facing sort of pastures. So thank you so much, Renato. This was fun. This helped me kind of, it was like therapeutic to talk through this and, and know that I'm not the only one who thinks it's wild. It is ridiculously wild ridiculously wild absolutely thank you for joining us for this episode of on topic please subscribe to this podcast go to your app and review the podcast and join us for our next episode i'm renato mariotti until next time let's stay on topic (laughs) 